Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known. I talk to you about a prayer that can truly change your life. A prayer that can truly change your life. Lord, I just thank you for what has transpired. I just thank you for the incredible worship. Worship team Jansen. And praise you for our worship teams, Lord. And now, Lord, we come to your word, and I just ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you are welcome here. Manifest yourself even in a greater measure. May this life-changing message really penetrate our hearts. I ask that you would breathe a faith within us to receive your word this morning. And just have your way now, and I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. So, is your hut burning this morning? You know, I have a revelation for you this morning. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. We live in a difficult world, and huts burn. See, the question this morning isn't, is your hut burning? The question is, what is your response? What is my response to when my little hut is burning? Do I get all negative? And do I begin complaining and whining? Do I get somewhat fatalistic and say, hey, what can I do? The world's against me. The deck's stacked against me. You know, if this is, tends to be your response, do you realize that you're cursing yourself to a bitter life and a defeated life? And this morning I want to introduce you to a man whose hut burned down the day he was born. His story is found in the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles in chapter 4. And in the scene is this. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, we have Judah, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And we have his lineage, his genealogy. It kind of reads like a Jewish telephone book. And then suddenly we come to this man. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Skip, can you put up those verses starting in verse 9? Now Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the Lord of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain, but rather be a blessing to others, is how the text reads. So God granted him his request. Now you talk about a difficult start in life. This mother's pregnancy was so difficult. 
This mother's pregnancy was so painful that she calls her son pain. Now that's a rough start to life. I mean, can you imagine this kid's coming down the street and they say, oh, here comes pain. Pretty awesome, isn't it? Can you imagine when he goes to an interview and the interviewer says, huh, I see that your name is pain. Does that mean you are in pain or that you are a pain? I mean, do you think this guy's going to be able to get a job with the name pain? And I'll tell you, that's not an easy start to life. And Jabez, you know what? He could have had a very negative attitude. He could have been bitter. He could have had a fatalistic approach to life. He could have said, hey, I was just dealt a lousy hand in life. And maybe you feel that way this morning. But you know what? For whatever reason, Jabez chose not to be a person of fate, but a person of destiny. And I want you to know there's a huge difference between fate and destiny. A person of fate is someone who believes their life is dictated by their circumstances and events that are just completely out of their control. But see, a person of destiny is a person who prays the prayer of Jabez because the prayer of Jabez is a prayer of destiny. And Jabez, when he prayed the prayer that he prayed, he took his life out of the fate or or the hands of fickle fate and he put his life in the hands of a good and a powerful and a loving God. And that's why the text says that now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He was more honorable because he was a man of faith. He was a man who trusted in the goodness of God. And he starts out his powerful prayer and he just says, Oh God, that you would bless me exceedingly or indeed. And I want you to know that that's not a self-centered request on Jabez's part. You know what that request was? It was a request demonstrating the picture of Jabez's God. You see, Jabez's God was big, bigger than his circumstances. Jabez's God was good. His God was able to cause all things in his life to work together for the good. Jabez's God was personal. Jabez's God cared about him and the details of his life. By the way, what kind of God do you serve? What kind of God do you have this morning? You know, when Jabez prayed, oh God, that you would bless me exceedingly. And indeed, you know what Jabez was really praying? He was saying, saying, oh God, here I am. I'm trusting you with the entirety, the entirety of my life. I want everything that you have for me. I want every blessing that you have for me. I don't care what those blessings are and when, where, and how they come. I just want them. Now see, that's a radical prayer. No, that is a truly radical prayer. You know, there was this uh, man who died one day. We'll call him Mr. Smith. And Mr. Smith was received by St. Peter at the pearly gates. And uh, he was led in, and St. Peter began to give him a tour of heaven, and he saw the golden streets, and he saw the wonders of heaven. And as they were, he's getting this tour of heaven, he sees this super large building. I mean, it's larger than a warehouse. And, you know, Mr. Smith said to St. Peter, well, what is that building? And St. Peter said, you don't want to go in there. You don't want to go in there. Well, of course, that just piqued his interest all the more. And suddenly he bolts for this huge building. He makes a dash for it. He gets to the door. He's able to get that big door open. He gets inside and 
He has never seen such a cavernous building. I mean, it is huge. And the interesting thing about it is it's got these shelves, and it goes all the way from the front to the back, almost to the ceiling. And there's all kinds of boxes, all kinds of boxes on these shelves. And they go from A to Z, A, B, C, D. That's how it goes. And so Mr. Smith suddenly, you know, makes a dash for the S section, runs down there. I mean, he runs a long way, and he finally gets to S section. And he begins to look for his box. And it's a big box. He finds it. And he pulls that box down. St. Peter finally catches up to him. He says, you don't want to open that lid. And of course, Mr. Smith just tears that lid off. He looks inside and he begins to weep. And St. Peter said, I told you you didn't want to see what's inside that box. Because what you see in that box is all the blessings that God wanted to give to you. But you wouldn't trust him. You didn't trust him with your life. And you didn't ask him what blessings he wanted to give you. How about you this morning? Have you asked God for what he wants to give you? Well, Jabez continues on in his prayer. Here's the second part of his prayer. He says this. Enlarge my territory that your favor, your hand would be with me. Keep me from evil that I may not cause pain, but rather be a blessing to others. And it said, you know, God granted his request. Now, this was not a cry for material prosperity. I know that many years ago, this prayer was famous. It was called the Prayer of Jabez. And people were preaching it left and right, and they were preaching it like this was a cry for material prosperity. That's not true. This was a cry for influence. You see, Jabez looked at his life and he said, God, I had to be born for more than just this. You know, have you ever just looked at your life and said, there's just got to be more to my life? There's just got to be more to my life. Sure you have. There isn't one of us in here that hasn't cried out at least secretly. I want my life to count. I want my life to matter. And you know, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that prayer. I want you to know this morning that God wants you to be a person of influence. God wants you and I to be people of influence. He doesn't want us to squander our lives on the transitory. He doesn't want us to squander our lives on the things that are going to burn. He wants us to squander our lives on things that matter. In fact, listen to this now. The key to being a person of influence lies in this one very profound question. Listen to this question now. The question is this. What are you presently doing now that could not be explained apart from the power of God? What are you presently doing now that could not be explained apart from the power of God? Tragically, far too many people have to say nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Let me ask you this question. Well, before I ask you this question, I want to say this about Jabez. You know what? Jabez saw his life, and maybe you're looking at your life right now, and he said, I want a supernatural life. I want my life to be punctuated by the supernatural. How about you? Do you just want to live a mediocre, mundane life? Or do you want your life to be marked by the supernatural? you got to make a choice. i got to make a choice. But I want you to know that God 
this morning wants your life to make a difference and he wants it to be punctuated by the supernatural. In fact, it says this in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. You know this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now watch this, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he ordained for us in eternity past to walk in. Now let me ask you this question. What do you think God does all day in heaven? You ever wondered, what does God do all day in heaven? Do you think God ever just gets bored in heaven? You think God ever has turned, God the Father's turned to Jesus Christ and said, you know, it's pretty boring around here. You want to play a game of pinochle? Anybody think that happened? I don't think that conversation ever occurred. In fact, we can sum up what God is doing in one word. Do you know what that word is? Work. Work. Do you know from the very beginning you open up the book of Genesis and we see God is at work. He is separating the light from the darkness. He's creating the waters of the seas and the oceans. He creates all the animals in the seas. He creates the plants. And then, of course, the pinnacle of creation is man from the dust of the earth. It says that he creates man. And then it said he retired to Florida. Right? I mean, what else is he going to do? Actually, it says in the Hebrew that he rested. you know what that means? It means that he ceased from his activity. It doesn't mean that he was burned out and tired from all of his creating activity. It means that he stopped and he smelled the roses and he wanted to admire what he had created. That's kind of a word for us all. And you know, Jesus said this in John chapter 5 and verse 17. Skip, can you put up that verse for us? He said, Jesus said to them, my father is always, watch this, he's always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. I too am working. You see, God intends for us to work. And you know what? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says that you, how many here are a believer? How many here would say that you're just a believer? Raise your hand. Just raise them high. That text is saying that you are a masterpiece. Literally, the Greek says you're a piece of work. (laughs) So if you raised your hand, just turn to the person next to you and say you're a real piece of work. And some of you truly are a real piece of work. But, you know, all laughing aside, no, no, all laughing aside... What that means is that you matter to God and he has special work for you to do. That's what it means. No, I I really want to drive this point home now. He has special work for you to do. You know, I remember when my children were younger and Susan uh, would bring some toys home once in a while and it had those three dreaded words on the side of the box. Some assembly required. Well, it was just before Christmas, and she brought this big toy home. It was a dollhouse. I'll never forget it. It said on the side of it, some assembly required. And I'm going, I'm almost going through the roof. She goes, don't blow your stack over this. She said, the salesman told me that even an idiot could put this together. Now, that's a lose-lose situation. Because, you see, if I put it together, then I'm just an idiot. If I can't put it together, then I'm lower than an idiot. 
Well, anyhow, I managed to somehow get it together. But you know what the interesting thing was? After I got it together, it sort of looked like the picture on the box. There were some spare parts. And I thought, wow, the factory kind of messed up. I got these spare parts. You ever see that? There's just these spare parts. Well, you know what that text says this morning in Ephesians 2.10? God does not make spare parts. There's not a spare part in this building. God has called you to do special work. Theologians call that a calling. Did you know that if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have a calling on your life. You know what the problem is, though? Too many of us settle for a career rather than a calling. You see, a calling is something that I do for God. A career is something that becomes my God. A calling is something I receive. A career is something I choose. A career or a calling does not end the day or ends the day that I die, but a career ends the day that you retire. Pharaoh had a career. Moses, now he had a calling. Potiphar, now he had a career. Joseph had a calling. Haman had a career, but Esther, now she had a, you're beginning to get it. Jezebel had a career, but Elijah, now my Elijah had a, okay, you're getting it now. Nebuchadnezzar had a career, but my Daniel, now he had a, Judas had a career, but Peter had a, Nero had a career, but Paul had a, Pilate had a career, but my Jesus, now your Jesus, he had a calling. I'm going to ask you, what do you have? Do you have a career or do you have a calling? Al Weedman is a name you probably don't know. Al Weedman for 15 years was an executive in an internationally known company. And he not only was an executive, he had a swell salary. And every day he would commute 55 miles to work. And he worked at least 55 hours every single week. And he traveled at least 55 days out of the year. And, one, and, and Al Weedman was a miserable, miserable man. And one day he cried out to God and he said, God, there's just got to be more. There has just got to be more to my life than this miserable job that I have. Now, Al Weedman was married. And as the book of Proverbs says, chapter 31, man's fortunate when he has a godly wife. And too often, at least in America, the wife is more godly than the man. Amen, oh me. I didn't hear too many amens from the men on that, all right? But here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing was... His wife was actually in her group, her Bible study group, they were studying the prayer of Jabez. And she said, Al, instead of whining and complaining and bellyaching, why don't we just start praying the prayer of Jabez? And so every day they would get together and they just begin to cry out, oh, Al, oh God, just bless Al exceedingly. Enlarge his tent pegs, his, his area of influence. Keep him from evil. So that he won't be a pain to others, but a blessing to others. Oh God, that you would just answer this request. And they prayed this for 30 straight days. And then one day Al Weedman shows up. 
<laughs> to work, looks on his desk and there's a pink slip. <laughs> He'd been fired. His business was in the process of making cutbacks. He was one of those cutbacks. <laughs> he comes home to his wife and he says, honey, I just want you to know the prayer of Jabez really worked. It does cause pain. But you know what? Two months later, in a series of events that only God could orchestrate, God dumped in Al Weedman's lap a, get this now, a Porsche polishing wheel business. <laughs> and Al Weedman began polishing Porsche wheels. And you know what? God had favor on him. And he began to get these Porsche dealerships all over Southern California, Arizona, and Nevada. They began calling him. I mean, the, the business just started to grow. I mean, God was really granting him favor. And you know what the best part was? He loved it. He loved working with his hands. You know what? It's so interesting here in America. We have all these tests that we give you. Have you ever noticed that? We, we don't do it. But if you go to a lot of the churches, they're going to kind of give you tests. They're going to give you tests, you know, to figure out what your passion is. They'll give you even a test to figure out what your talents are. They'll give you a test to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. They'll even give you a test, you know, to figure out if you're a morning person or a night person. They'll give you a test to figure out if you're an extrovert or an introvert. They'll even give you a test to figure out if you like taking tests. But you know what the beauty, no, no, here's the beauty what Al Weedman did. He just prayed the prayer of Jabez and he left it up to God. No, no. He just prayed the prayer of Jabez and he left it in the hands of God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that simple? See, we always make things complicated. And you know what the best part is? Al Weedman in one year led more people to Jesus Christ than he did his entire 15 years as an executive of a company. What do you think about that? Now, that, ladies and gentlemen, that's influence. No, no, that's influence. See, here's the question. Here's the challenge. Do you want to be a person of fate and just whine and bellyache and be negative and say, oh, I just can't do anything about it? It's just out of my hands. I've been dealt a lousy hand. Or do you want to become a person of destiny? Do you want to have a career or do you want to have a calling? Which one is it? Do you want a career or do you want to call? See, the difference is whether you're going to trust in God. I'm going to challenge you. No, I started to, I'm going to challenge you just to pray the prayer. Jabez, it's a dangerous prayer because what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, bless me exceedingly. I want every blessing that you have for me. Notice I'm not dictating to him now. I'm not dictating to God. In the prayer of Jabez, you're saying, God, I know you're a good God. I know you're a great God. And I know you got blessings for me. And I want them all. I don't care when you give them, where you give them, or how you give them. Just give them. And then the next part is beautiful. Enlarge my tent pegs. Enlarge my area of influence. He wants you to be a person of influence. He wants you to make an eternal impact. You got to believe that. And then you pray, Lord, keep me from evil. Don't let me yield to evil. Because see, what happens when Frank Ray yields to evil or you yield to evil? You cause pain. You cause pain. No, you cause pain to the people around you. Because see, when I'm kept from evil, then I'll be a blessing. And I pray that for each and every one of you. God, 
Oh, that we would have faith in the house this morning. That we would believe your word. That we would really believe your word. Your word is life. Your word is good. And too often, because we're immersed in this world, our mind is worldly and we have no faith. And I'm crying out. I am crying out this morning. Holy Spirit, that you will move in the hearts of people. That there will really be real conviction, real repentance that leads to healing. And saying, Lord, I am sick and tired of this world. I am sick and tired of worldly thinking. And now I want to put my hands in the hands of a God who is the God of destiny. And I pray that for every single person here. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen.